Let's pray. Father in heaven, we desire to worship you, Lord, with our whole heart, with all of our might, with all of our strength, with all of our mind. And Father, without your help, we're unable to do so. So Father, we ask now that you will guide us as we open your word, that you would speak to us through the word, enabling us, Father, to understand and to comprehend how your word applies to any and every aspect of our life. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would use your word to continue to form us into the image of your son, Christ. As always, we thank you. We do ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Basically in the Mosaic Law, the purpose of taking an oath was to emphasize that a person's word should be sufficient. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 12 says, You shall not swear by my name falsely, so, the, so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Numbers chapter 30 verses 1 and 2. Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the people of Israel, saying, This is what the Lord has commanded. If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Deuteronomy 23, verse 21. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from vowing, you will not be guilty of sin. You should be careful to do what has passed your lips. For you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. If a person's word, if a person's word should be good, then even no more so, keeping an oath would be mandatory. Again, the Mishnah, as I mentioned to you before, whether you want to call it the Mishnah, which is the, uh, the writing down of the fence laws, or the fence laws we call them, or the traditions of the elders, they provided all kinds of ways for a person to violate an oath. In fact, in the Mishnah, there are three designated vow terms that were recognized. There is Cherim, Nazir, and Korban. And those terms made the vow binding. So let me read to you from Matthew 23. Obviously we'll get to this again later, but, uh, but this kind of, we see the consistency of the teaching of Christ, especially as he speaks on this. And he says, beginning in verse 16, Woe to you blind guides, who say, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar which makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar, swears by it, and 
by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it, and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God, and by him who sits on it. So when Jesus is teaching here in the Sermon on the Mount, there's this ongoing debate about when a vow was binding and when a vow was not binding. So when someone says, well, I swear I'll do it, or I swear by my life I'll get it done, statements like that were actually open to interpretation. If somebody should attempt to hold you to your vow or to your promise, you might say, well, yeah, but when I said that I was already having reservations, or if you say, I swear by heaven, or whatever it happens to be, swear by my life, it's an empty vow. You don't have any control over those things. <coughs> Excuse me. Today, people might say, I was under duress, or I was in a panic. And when you panic, you'll say anything. What do you mean? What, what do you do with all of that? I, th- I think, how is that going to be resolved? Because if you think about it, all these various ways that we're going to see, and the ways even today that we kind of talk about when a person makes a promise, and when, when does that promise binding, and all that, all that, all that is around because of our inherent ability and desire and practice of being deceitful. That's what that's all about. It's, it's trying to find ways to say one thing on one hand and then, you know, get, get out of it the other way. In fact, we, we do that when we're little kids. Little kids, you know, some, some kids say, well, you promised you did it. Yeah, but I have my fingers crossed. I don't know what that meant, but apparently the meaning is if you have your fingers crossed, somehow whatever promise you made no longer carries any weight. You know, and, then, and so I remember when I was a little kid, sometimes people say, I want to see your hands. Do you promise? They go, I promise. And they go, you promised the other day? Yeah, but my legs were crossed. Or, you know, whatever it happens to be. There's always something that's going on uh, so that uh, you can say that uh, somehow it, you weren't lying. You just can't be held to it. But the simple answer to all that is really this. Again, remember what Jesus is doing. He's told them that their righteousness must surpass the righteousness of the Pharisees. So all this debate that the Pharisees are having, all this apparent righteousness they have, Jesus says you have to surpass that. And the answer is, is that the law teaches that a person should develop a reputation for honesty so that a yes could be taken as trustworthy and a no taken as trustworthy. That's it. You give your word, that's it. Nothing else needs to be said. Which also then I guess would go on to assume that that kind of individual kind of has some things under control because they're not making rash statements. That individual is mature because they're not making promises they shouldn't make. According to the Mishnah and the teaching of the Pharisees, there are four kinds of vows to be annulled. There's the vow of urging those who made while bargaining or trying to incite someone to sell or buy. I guess that's the uh, vow of urging would go for car salesmen when they want to get you to buy something. There's the vow of exaggeration. Those made with conditions which would be, which would be impossible to fulfill. We all know this when it comes to advertising. You know, I'm, I take a lot of supplements, and I read a lot about supplements, and I watch all the advertising about supplements, and it's just unbelievable. There is this, there's this new thing now, I guess it's new, called hydrogenated water. 
And from the very beginning, something's up. Because it says if you drink hydrogenated water, it will double your energy. How do you measure that? I'm not sure I want my energy doubled. We like to have more, but doubled? I'm not going to go to sleep at night. I mean, there's already, just to make that statement, that's, that's just, that's untrue. No one's actual energy is doubled. It's kind of like when you read some of these things about some of these, you know, trace minerals and they go through all the things they're good for. And it may all be true, and then someone adds at the end, and my mother-in-law took it and her cancer went away. And I'm like, you know, you almost had me. <laughs> Until you start telling me it's a cure for cancer. <laughs> I'm not going to buy that. But it's the vow of exaggeration. There's vows made in error. Again, those that are made on basis of false information. Vows that are made under duress. Uh, where an individual is under constraint. So the missioner goes on to state that you must not annul or declare that a vow is invalid. In other words, when you make a vow, you must not state that your vow is invalid. Uh, A vow, and and you are not to do this uh, um, if you're under the influence of wine. You're not to do this while riding. You're not to do this while standing. But you must do it sitting and enveloped in a cloak. And I think the idea there is that it's a very serious matter. That you don't just do this flippantly. And if you want to annul a vow, remember that to annul a vow, or to go back on your word, it was a very serious uh, offense. And it was punishable by stabbing. Which is just kind of sounds funny. Like, <laughs> what? You're not going to keep your vow? <laughs> you know? She's going to stab you for that. Uh, but unless they, so unless the person who made the vow would go to the sages, you go to the leaders, and present your case to disallow the vow, the vow is binding. That's kind of the idea. And that's where, what we read in Matthew uh, 23, where Jesus talks about that, they sort of making up these various rules. Well, you know, he, he did swear by the altar, but, but that's not binding, because he didn't swear by the gift on the altar. And that's what they started to do. You know, that kind of thing. In other words, it's like they're saying, well, I know he swore on the altar, but his fingers were crossed. And so it's not binding. The mission of deals with, with oaths taken when you swear by the names of God in court. However, those oaths were carried, uh, those oaths would carry more severe penalties when they were violated. And the way you would do that is you might swear by Moses. So if you swore by Moses, what you're saying is, is you're swearing by the one who sent Moses. So the idea is you're not going to, you know, you're not going to say God's name, but you, you say the name of something or something that's closely associated with God, and the, the person would, would understand that to mean that if I swear by Moses, I'm going to do such and such, right, and he's invoking the name of God. They're not saying Moses' name is God, but that's what they're pointing to. Let's say, I, I, I swear by the Torah. All right, well, what's the, the Torah? That's the Old Testament that comes from God. So, again, I really am telling you the truth. That's the idea. Fact, there's a thing, there's a phrase that we, uh, that we say. Um, well, let me get to that in a minute. So, if someone was to say, I swear by heaven, basically meant, may heaven be destroyed if I don't keep my oath. So again, remember that the reason why these kinds of things, I guess, are needed is because people have broken their word before. Because of dishonesty, the idea is, no, well, this time I really mean it. And the way that I proved you I mean it, I'm going to swear by this. I'm going to swear by my mother's grave. I'm going to swear by heaven or whatever it may happen to be. 
And of course the main problem with all this with oaths is again, is when it comes to which ones are really binding and which ones are not binding, I guess the impression is that the individual who gives the, the oath is intending to keep their word. But the whole point of the oath is that you're not. That's why you're taking the oath. The individual is not intending to keep their word. This individual doesn't have a history of keeping their word. So again, the righteousness that God is demanding is that we don't even have to think about these things. You live your life and you simply live in integrity. You are honest. If you're going to do something and you say you're going to do something, you do it. Period. Even if you realize later that the promise that you made is going to be to your disadvantage, you do it anyway. You don't say, well, you know, I know I made that deal with you, but I didn't know it was going to take me so long. No, you, you gave your word. You need to keep your word, no matter what. Because you're a Christian. You represent God. You, you are basically, as an individual who represents God, an individual who's been saved by God, I am saying, I'm going to keep my word and do such and such for you. Really, regardless of what the circumstances may be. This idea that somehow a, an unforeseen consequence arises does not justify or give us the right to back out on what we've said. We, many of us actually think that it does. Well, if I had known that, I wouldn't have said that. Well, then you shouldn't have said it. Whether you knew that or not is immaterial. What the, the focus is you, the individual, not the consequences. You said you were going to do such and such. That's it. You need to do it. And again, we've mentioned this before, even when it comes to business. You know, some of the people say, well, you know, Bob, business is business. All I can say is, no. We're Christians. You make a bad deal. That's on you. Trust the Lord and keep your end of the deal. That's it. I don't care if it's bad business. You represent the Lord. Think more about it next time. Don't be so quick to give a response. Maybe seek some advice first. You know, that's the lessons that we learn when we speak sometimes too quickly. But we don't just say, well, I need to get out of this because it's going gonna, it's gonna to harm me financially. Let God take care of that. Say, Lord, I spoke too rashly. And now this is going to, it's going to hurt my, it's going to hurt our finances. But I, I want to be true to, to what I've said because I represent you. And I'm asking, Lord, that you will help me to overcome my own foolishness and not allow my family to suffer as I fulfill my word. We depend upon the Lord. That's what we do. I'm just not sure why that's not the way that we would do things. That is the way that we should do things. I'm a Christian first. Period. And I need to possess a righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees. If I don't possess that, I'm not going to see the kingdom of God. There is, I believe, an assumption that is inherent in this. Is that for those of us who belong to Christ... We will have that, we will be developing that, and we desire that. That may mean that you will have to give your word a whole lot less often. It's not a bad thing. You make a lot fewer promises. That's not a bad thing. So, control what you say. 
but don't try to back out of it and somehow flip it around so that it's on someone else or that you, you can get out of it. We are not to live that way as Christians. We are to keep our word regardless. We should, constant, we should consistently be honest. We should totally be honest to the degree that there's never a reason why we need to take an oath. Sometimes there's a phrase that we use. I know I use this phrase sometimes. I'm talking to someone and they've asked a question and I'll say, well, you know, to be honest. Now, I used to think for a long time that why do we say that, to be honest? Are we saying that normally we would not be honest? And I don't really think that's the case. I actually think, as I've thought about that, that actually it's a shortened version of to be bluntly honest. What we really mean there is, well, to be blunt. You should be honest anyway. But when you're in that kind of a situation that we normally tell somebody, or we preface what we say by, well, to be honest, what we're doing is we're letting them know that what's coming next is the truth without any, you know, there's no tact here now. I'm just going to let it out. So it really means to be blunt. So maybe we should say to be blunt. If you still want to say to be honest because that's what your habit is, it's okay. If somebody asks you, what, are you normally dishonest? You say, oh, no, no. I'm just going to be blunt at this moment in time. But again, we need to be the individual who is known for being honest. And you should tell individuals. Like I've, I mean, I've done this before. Someone was asked me my opinion. And I say, are you sure you want that? Because I'm not going to, I mean, I'll give it to you. But you're asking for it. It's because I probably already know that they're going to disagree with what I say. Which is okay. I just want them to know. I'm not looking for an argument. But we need to be honest. Jesus is, I don't think that Jesus is actually forbidding the taking of an oath in the court of law. I know this verse has been used that way for decades. Where people would say they would go to court and they would never swear on the Bible to tell the truth because of what Jesus says here. You know, they will affirm or whatever, that kind of thing. I just don't think that's the truth because in the Old Testament you already have laws given for what you do with an oath. You can take an oath. God swears an oath. He does that. We have it in the scripture. Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. Verse 17. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have Fled for refuge might have strong encouragement. <coughs> excuse me, strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. So it's not wrong if you go to if you go to give testimony in a court of law and they want you to swear. There's nothing wrong with doing that. You, sh- you should be able to do that willingly. You're not going to lie. It's just a, it's a formal way of holding you liable to the court. So whether you swear or whether you affirm, you're going to be held liable to the court. They catch you in lying, you've broken the law. And that's really all that that's going, what's going on there. Uh, they don't know who you are, kind of a thing. But again, the idea is, is that we don't have to live our lives in such a way where we, we have to let other, other individuals know that I really am telling you the truth. I swear. Sometimes I think it's okay for us to maybe emphasize something. You know, you want to make sure, like God did. No one, no one I don't think anyone in the right mind thinks God's a liar. So why did he swear an oath? Well, he's doing that for our benefit. 
so that we can be encouraged that God is determined to do this thing, period. And so, again, the idea with that is this honesty and this integrity that comes from that. So we need to be honest. We need to be honest consistently. Again, that doesn't mean that you're bound to say everything that you know. For an example, if someone comes to me and says, Bob, you know some of the problems our church members are having? Yes, I do. What are they? I'm not telling you. I'm not bound to tell them for the sake of, of honesty. I'm not obligated to tell them anything. So I'm not obligated to do that. So you can be someone who tells the truth all the time, but it doesn't mean you have to say everything you know. Right? That's, not, that's, not a, that's not a requirement of that. You just simply choose not to. If I go to a court of law, I'm not going to lie. But if I believe that there's something I either should not say or don't need to say, and if they say, well, if you don't answer that, you're going to be in trouble. Okay, I'm not going to say, well, I don't really know the answer. I'm willing to take whatever the consequences are. But but I'm going to be honest. And that's where we need to be as individuals. And as a Christian, it really should be something that comes about without you and I really having to give it a lot of forethought. But here's the thing with that. Everybody lies. I've read a few studies on at what age do people begin to consciously lie? One child psychologist summed it up this way. Well, that age is determined by when your child begins to speak. That's when they start to lie. When an individual says, my child has never lied to me, what you know for sure is that's untrue. Your child has lied to them. We even laugh at videos that people make where they're little kids. You know, they've eaten the donut and the stuff's all over their face. And we say, did you eat the donut? Nope. Okay, we know, they know, that they're telling us something untrue. They may not even have the word lie in their vocabulary yet. But they know that. They, they already understand there's a consequence they don't want to face. They already know they've disobeyed. And so they lie. And we lie for all kinds of reasons. We lie without thinking about it. We lie sometimes as second nature. We just, it's just sometimes it seems it's just a whole lot easier to get through certain situations by lying. You know, there's something going on over here. Bob, you know what's going on? No. It's just, <laughs> I don't want to get involved in that. You can do the same thing and say, yeah, I do. But I can also add it's not worth it. Alright, but we don't have to say everything that we know. So, we don't allow others to try to manipulate us. And some say, well, you're being deceitful if you don't tell me. No, I am making a decision that I'm not going to tell you certain things. Period. You make assumptions based on my silence, that's on you. But the bottom line is, is I'm not going to answer that, or I'm not going to tell you everything I know, or whatever the case may happen to be. But we need to be honest individuals, so that, so that other individuals will say, or at least think about it so that in this way, that when you've been asked a question, you're going to give an honest answer. That is the, the internal righteousness that God demands from us. We, want, we should want our kids to understand that. I used to always tell my kids when they were growing up that there's all kinds of ways you can disobey mom and dad. There's all kinds of consequences to all kinds of things we can do wrong. But there's one thing you do that if you do this, it affects all the rest because it affects trust. And that is if you ever lie. If you lie, punishment is always worse. You'll be punished for what you did, and then you'll be punished for lying. 
and and because I wanted to understand that if you lie, if I can't trust what you say, what do we have left in our relationship? There's no grounds for a relationship. I can never believe anything that you say. It's, it, I have to double check everything that you tell me. And if I don't have time to do that, then the answer is always going to be no for whatever it is you want to do. <coughs> Excuse me. I know that's got to be irritating. <coughs> and it is. But the idea is, is that when it comes to, to the whole lying thing, is we want them to understand the importance of that. But we also want to make sure that we're not being hypocritical. That we're not lying to them. And I do think that sometimes we have to even go to the, the I guess you say, the nth degree when it comes to that. To be, in, in a sense, brutally honest with everything. And, and, and let them know that we don't have to be afraid of being honest. And part of being honest is then being willing to accept <coughs> the consequences of what you believe, what you think, and what you say. There we go. Now I won't cough at least for another three minutes. So the idea is, is that we need to be honest. Don't be deceitful. Trust in the Lord. <laughs> I can feel the cough coming on. <laughs> I said three minutes. That's only been 30 seconds. Uh, keep your promises and don't make promises rashly. So we're in there, but what I want you to do is this. <coughs> Excuse me is we take inventory of our lives. Take an inventory of how we speak. Take inventory of... of uh, yeah, I already have another one here. <laughs> and, and, and I guess you can even ask your spouse about your, about your honesty. And, and really ask them to help you to begin to strive towards being honest. I think if you do that, you never have to remember the lies that you told. It will help you to mature and grow up much quicker if you're young. Because you, you're going to own up to what you've said and face the consequences much sooner. And they will never be as bad as it is when you try to cover it up. As we all know for most politicians, <coughs> what they learn is that the cover-up is always worse. Normally, in the crime, not always, but... But the cover-up is always what's bad. It's what gets you in trouble. And we don't need to live that way. So when kids, when your mom and dad says, did you do your homework? And you didn't do it. Don't say, yeah, I did it. Because you don't want to get in trouble for not doing it. Because it would be worse when they find out that you didn't do it and that you lied about it. But besides, remember, <coughs> if you're a Christian, you're a Christian. If you didn't do your homework, just say, I didn't do my homework. I know I should have done it. I was wrong. You can apologize for it. It goes a whole lot easier. If there's any yelling, it would be a lot less yelling. There's more yelling if you lie about it. As, as a believer, again, whether you're 8 years old or 80, we want to make sure that we're not that kind of individual. Sometimes, because I mentioned before, we can lie out of habit. It's just almost like a default position. The, the little lies. Ask the Lord to help you become much more aware of everything you say. Ask the Lord to cause you to be aware when you misrepresent the truth. In small or big ways. Normal or small ways. You may be amazed at how often you even lie now. And ask the Lord to help you to overcome that. And He will. 
Because it glorifies the Lord if we are all honest individuals. If we are consistently honest. And here's the area that it's most detrimental if we're not always honest, and that's this. You have someone that you love dearly, relative or a friend. They kind of go to church off and on. They say they believe in God, but you're pretty sure that they don't. And there's some kind of conversation going on. And somehow they ask you, I'm okay. Don't you think I'm okay? And you look right at them and go, yeah, you're okay. And they're not okay. Because it's so... You have this habit of going along with the crowd, of keeping things smooth, whatever it is. It just kind of comes out of your mouth. You can't get that opportunity back. That individual gave you that opportunity to open the door to talk to them about their spiritual life and you, 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 you messed that up. You didn't just miss the opportunity, you blew it by basically misrepresenting what you know to be true. But they don't know the Lord. And maybe when you did it, you didn't mean to do that. It just came out. And so that's why we need to make sure that we get a good handle on this, that this isn't our default position. It should be, if nothing else, at the moment they ask you, are you, you know, I'm okay, aren't I okay? You hesitate. Well, that's good. They know that you're thinking about it. They know that you just can't automatically say yes. And I think that would be honor to the Lord. And then we can ask the Lord to use that so that we can then tell those individuals the truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, we pray, O Lord, you would help us to be honest with you. To come to terms with the fact that we are sinners and that we need Christ. And we pray, O Lord, for those who don't know Christ, that they would confess their sin and they would confess their need of Jesus. Father, for those of us who are believers, Father, we, we, we may need to do a deeper search in our lives. We may be unaware of the fact that we are dishonest. Maybe we're still convinced that our lies are of no consequence. We're convinced that it's just not really that big of a deal. We can't see how anyone is hurt by what we have said or what we've not said. I pray, Lord, that you would convict us deeply by your Spirit. That it doesn't matter what we think about our lack of truth-telling. It doesn't matter if we think someone isn't really offended or someone isn't really hurt or if someone isn't really harmed. Help us, Father, to recognize that what matters is your judgment and your judgment alone. And what you've asked for us is honesty, outward and inwardly. As you've asked us, Father, to be always honest, consistently honest from the inside out. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to become very much aware of our own dishonesty. And we ask, Lord, that you would cause that awareness and that dishonesty to bother us. I pray, Lord, that we would be deeply disturbed by it. And we'll recognize that even though all of us can very simply state that we believe that Christians should be and are honest people, that we're not. And that we would strive for that. Again, Father, not to bring attention to ourselves, not, Lord, to turn it into some joke because we're, we're so honest that people should not ask us questions. But, Lord, that they would see that what is married to that is a deep sense of integrity. But, Father, that we have a, uh, a rich understanding and we have convictions that are based on the Word of God. 
and that we don't believe that there are certain arenas of speech or subject matter that we are allowed to fudge on and others that we're not. We pray, Lord, you help us to recognize that we are to be honest in every area and every facet of life. And Father, for those who strive to live that way, how I ask that you will bless them. Father, for those who really want, Lord, to have their sin revealed to them, I pray, Lord, that beginning today, that, Father, you would help them to immediately in their mind have a sense of conviction when they say things that are not honest. And I pray, Lord, that you would prevent them from somehow assuaging their minds by, tell, by somehow telling themselves that it really is okay, that it wasn't a big a deal, because at that moment in time, no one knows and no one's hurt. I pray, Lord, they'll be bothered because they know that you know and that you know that they are dishonest and perhaps have always been dishonest. We thank you, Father, that you forgive us of our unrighteousness because, Father, when it comes even to this one sin, if there was no forgiveness, all of us would be barred from heaven for all of eternity because we lie. And so, Father, once again, we thank you, Lord, for the death of Christ and that, Lord, he took the penalty for our sin including all the lies that we've ever told and the lies that we'll tell tomorrow and the lies that we'll tell next week. And Father, again, we ask that you would give us the strength that we need and the motivation we need to seek, Father, to pursue honesty as we pursue righteousness and holiness that your name may be honored in how we live. We do thank you and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.